from Revenue Rhino, I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. We're interviewing successful sales and marketing leaders and discussing ways in which they're building lifelong relationships with their customers. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond. Today, we have Clarissa Horowitz from Treasury Prime. Clarissa, it's really nice to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. So first, let's start off with uh, maybe you could give the audience a little bit of background about yourself and then about Treasury Prime and what you do. Thank you. I'd love to. So one of the things I always enjoy about talking with different marketers is we've all had different paths because marketing is so broad. And so for me, I actually started off graduating from college and wanting to be the, the next great magazine portrait photographer. Obviously, I'm sitting here with you now, so that didn't work out exactly as planned. But uh, from there, I went into communication. So I worked at a lot of PR agencies, which I think is a wonderful way to really start to understand storytelling and the importance of understanding the interests of your audience. Uh, And then over time, I had opportunities to take on more and more of the kind of marketing functionality. So went into demand gen and events and branding and website. And my last two roles have been building marketing from scratch at a really interesting fintechs. The first one was a crypto startup, and now I'm at Treasury Prime, where we're connecting banks and fintechs. Very cool. So tell us about Treasury Prime. What is it? Sure. So Treasury Prime is a four-year-old company. The way I like to explain our business model is if you think about what Twilio has done with communications, like you don't want to go off and have to do an integration with AT&T just because you want to put SMS into your app, right? So wouldn't it be so much easier if you could just plug into an API layer somewhere and just get exactly the functionality that you need and pay only for those API calls? So that's what Twilio has done. It's really kind of this idea of communications as a service. And Treasury Prime takes a a similar approach, however, in a much more highly regulated industry. And we're trying to do the same thing for banking. And so banks have all of these terrible old systems that they're kind of stuck with. They would love to get rid of them in some cases, but it's it's high risk. It's very expensive. It's just very problematic. So Treasury Prime, we go out, we win a deal with a bank. We say, we're going to wrap or integrate with all of your systems. We put an API layer on top of everything. And then we actually act as their sales team and we go and bring them companies that want to embed banking services. Oh, nice. Very cool. And what does marketing look like in this space? Maybe you can give us a broad overview of that. Yeah. So I think what makes our situation really unusual, and I as a marketer find that really interesting, is that we can't say yes to a fintech as a customer until our bank partners have said yes to them as a customer. So in many cases, our sales team is not just selling the fintech customer on the value of a relationship with Treasury Prime. They have to sell them on the value of having a direct relationship with the bank as well, which in some cases can seem more complex, but is far more beneficial in the long term. And then in a lot of times they have to turn around and they have to sell that fintech to the bank. So mm. it's it's a really interesting um, model where there are all of these different audiences and there are challenges that you don't have in sort of a normal, you know, go to market motion. Totally. So that kind of leads into today's topic. So creating content for different audiences. 
How do you go about doing that and, you know, break it down for us and for the other marketers out there listening? Sure. I I think it's really important to understand who your audience is and what they know. And so I was having a, a funny conversation with my boss, our CEO, the other day, and he was saying like, I'm told by people that our content is really good. And I'm sure it is because they're telling me that, but I don't get it. And I was like, Chris, you know, all of this stuff, you're not the target audience. And he kind of went, yeah, that's a really good point. And so we, we had him at a a conference uh, the other day and he was doing a very technical presentation on the benefits of different types of account bank account structures that you could potentially set up with a bank. And he was like, why am I talking about this? And afterwards he was talking with other presenters and one person was saying, yeah, you know, I just had a handful of people in the room for mine. And Chris had actually had 50 or 60 out of a conference of about 300 people. And he was like, oh, well, I guess that, you know, was really important. And so what I really learned when I came in was that we have these fintechs who have this brilliant idea, they need a foundation like a bank and treasury prime to be able to build on. And they have great insights into the market that they're going after or the the consumer or end user that they're targeting. And many of them know very, very little about banking. And so they they come in Hmm. with unrealistic ideas about the amount of interchange revenue that they might get or how, how things might be structured. And so it became clear to me after sort of joining the company and watching this for a few weeks, like, oh, there is so much educational content that we can create that people find incredibly valuable. And in many cases for my colleagues, it seems really basic, but there is no place to go get this kind of information. Like we don't have Gartner or Forrester type resources for this kind of project if you're trying to do it. So it puts companies like Treasury Prime in this wonderful place where we get to spend a lot of time educating people about, you know, let's let's help you understand this. And basically my tagline for everything is learn X, Y, or Z and get to market faster. I love that. I think that's a really a, a key insight is you know, we're the experts in our spaces as, as marketers, uh, but our, our customers not aren't always those experts. So it, it's interesting. How do you figure out the right level of content, whether it's like really complicated or just breaking down the basics? How do you gauge that and figure out, you know, that right content for that right audience, and the right level of content and complexity? Yeah. So I think you kind of, need to think about doing it all, but you, you have your insights. You, you listen to, you listen to sales calls. We use gong. It's such a fabulous tool because it gets awkward in a zoom age to have like 40 people who want to listen in on a customer call. It's like, no, we're just going to record it. And then you can, you can listen to it. So I think that's a, a great source of data. The, the other thing that I find so interesting about our particular industry is the FinTech piece of it is very Insular is the wrong word, but it is a small and very connected community. And so when somebody puts out a piece of content, whether it's us or somebody else that's good, there's a certain amount of chatter about it and sharing. So it's very easy to say, oh, people thought this was a good piece of content. Let's develop our own version. So there, there's that. And then there's the stuff that you do that is differentiated and 
you want to figure out ways to talk about it so that you can ideally influence how people are thinking about the decision they're going to make in terms of choosing a vendor, right? So you've got stuff that I I think of as the top of funnel, the tofu, that is like purely educational. And then I think even within that, there's an opportunity to try to do a little more to set the agenda for how people should be thinking about things. And I've found it really effective to say, here are five questions you should ask every vendor you're talking to including Mm. us. And then, you know, we'll have our answers as well for those. Right. And I think it's helping people navigate this very complicated landscape, because the thing about the, the types of decisions that our customers are making is they're bet the company decisions. You know, this is not like making an IT purchase where, you know, if it doesn't work, okay, like you screwed up a firewall or something like that. Right. This is, if this, you know, banking and technology partnership relationship don't work. You don't have a company. You are not in market. And if you're early stage, you are just watching your burn rate go up. And that's really, really alarming. So yeah. I think helping people understand what they should be asking to be able to make these decisions is really valuable. And we've seen a lot of traction with those kinds of pieces. I love that. So for the other marketers out there listening that maybe have these different audiences to create content for and maybe the that isn't like quite to a place where they'd like it to be. What are some actionable steps that they can take to really get a solid strategy in place here? So I think you've got customer calls you can listen to. I think your, your sales team is a wealth of information because if you sit down and you ask anybody on a sales team, like give me three topics that if our customers understood them better, it would make it easier for you to sell you will have no problem getting that list. And you may not agree with all of them, but you will start to formulate a really good list based on that. And then you start to put some of these ideas out there. And in some cases, I think you could do simple tests like blog posts, promote them on social media, see what kind of traction they get. If it's really good, double down on it, do a webinar, take it, you know, have the white paper that comes off of that, like really build. I think we've got so many ways to test things these days that you should never start by feeling like you have to have a fully baked strategy. It's like, just get things out there and iterate and some things aren't going to work. And you're And then every now and then you're going to be surprised. Like our CEO has been at the, the interest level for topics that he just would not have found interesting to him. That's very cool. I love that mindset of get out there, start testing things and see what works and what doesn't. Well, I will, I will tell you, you know, I, I think one of the things that I, I learned very early, um, actually after I found out later after I'd interviewed for the job that I'd said one thing and it, everyone was like, oh, she'll be perfect. And they had gotten, um, an email and it was, Hey, we will, for $3,000, we will do this. We'll create a piece on you that'll run in this not real magazine and it'll, it'll be great for you. And they said, Hey, what's your opinion on this? And I realized I actually had done an experiment once with one of these things to just, eh, we had a little extra money in the, you know, in the budget. And it's like, let's just see if this does anything for us. And the answer was no. So I was able to write back and say, as a matter of fact, I experimented with this and we saw really, we really got nothing from it. And that word experiment was what made them say like, oh, she's willing to experiment. And so I've found at least at my company that framing everything as, hey, we're 
going to experiment with this and see how it does. And here's how we're going to measure if it's working or if it's not. That goes over really well. And I think when you're dealing with, you know, a technical executive team, that's an approach that that people find very familiar. Totally. I love that. So as we think about implementing a strategy of, you know, targeting these different audiences, experimenting, what are some of the pitfalls that you can run into and what are the traps to avoid? Oh, that's a that's a wonderful question. I mean, I think you know, uh, uh, one thing is like you could end up putting out really boring content, right? And that's yeah. actually always my concern because I feel like there's so much stuff out there that's being produced that is really just not that interesting. Mm. And so I, I try to really set a, a bar for us, which is that if anybody is spending even five minutes of their time watching something, listening some to something or reading anything that we've produced, they absolutely have to walk away with either something actionable that'll make them better at what they do or a new idea that they really haven't heard before. And that means when you sit there and you say, hey, let's do something about, you know, card issuing. It's like, what has not been done? Like what, and what can we tell people that, that is really going to be useful. And in some cases, I find the easiest way to do that is going way into the details and into the weeds and saying, here's exactly how you do this. Let's get into the the technical details of what setting up a program looks like, as opposed to the sort of higher level stuff that I think can be easier to create. Because in many cases, you can do it without needing to lean on somebody in your customer success team or an engineering resource. But I think taking the time to really push the envelope and ask is there something here that's new, that's interesting? If it's an opinion piece, is it contrarian? Are people going to get some value from reading this? I love that. All right. So we got a fun question for you. And that is, what is the craziest marketing initiative that you've done in the past? All right. So I'm going to take you back to my PR days. And I had an online sporting goods retailer as a client. And Memorial Day is when usually all of the the water sports kind of start up. And so we were brainstorming how we could get attention for them, uh, specifically on broadcast TV stations. So we did a couple of things. We put together a list of um, water sports safety tips because News anchors, broadcasters love being able to read these things. And the other thing that we did was we decided to send them to uh, meteorologists. And not only did we send them this list of tips, but we sent them uh, life jackets. And I glued the patches with the logo of the company onto them. And so the idea was that the meteorologist, you know, right around Memorial Day weekend would put on their life jacket and read the tips. And so then, of course, this was like the old day. So lots of follow up to make people sure people had received it. Did they have any questions? All of those things. And it was so amazing to get the clips back of people actually doing this on the air. And it was incredibly successful. But here's one of the things I'd learned from when the company, when the agency had done this the year before when I was not involved. They had sent out beekeeper hats 
right? So you put them on and then you've got this thing. And I was like, how could you do that? Like no anchor on TV is going to do anything that's going to like cover their face or mess up their hair. So as we were thinking about what is it that we're going to send them, that was one of my requirements. Like it's got to be something that doesn't, you know, affect any, anything from the neck up. So when I landed on life jackets, we all said, yes, that's perfect. And that was part of the reason we got such great pickup. That's perfect. I love that story. That's really cool. So as we're wrapping up here, what advice do you have for other marketers out there that you know are looking to target different audiences with their content strategy? I think the biggest one is just really push yourselves and the team on the topics you come up with. Because a lot of times we start off with an idea that, you know, it's probably the right idea, but how do you really, really make it interesting? And then once you've got that interesting idea, I think of this, um, you've probably heard of this, but the Taco Bell model, it's like, would you like this in a taco? Would you like this on a salad? Would you like this in a fajita? And so I think it's really doing that. Like once you have that great idea, there are like half a dozen at least things that you can do with it. So you don't have to have that many great ideas to have a really great content program. I love that. Get a great idea and then package it in different ways. Every way you can. Slice and dice it. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for joining the podcast and sharing all your wisdom and insights. Really appreciate it. Not sure how wise or how insightful I am, but I appreciate the opportunity. Oh, very wise. Thank you.